Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to sport our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Here at The Next Reel, we've been passionately discussing movies week after week since 2011. That's a lot of movies and a lot of conversation. Sure is, Pete. And to be honest, it's a lot of work, too. But it's work that we love. If you've been enjoying our show, we'd like to remind you that there are ways to support us, even if you're not able to become a member just yet. You might have heard us talk about our new watch page, where we've listed every movie that we've talked about paired with Amazon or Apple links to rent or buy the movie. Now we'd like to introduce you to our Originals page. Let's take a trip down memory lane, Andy. Do you remember what the first film we discussed on The Next Reel was that was an adaptation? Uh, well, let's see. It wasn't, obviously, our Indiana Jones series, because those were all original. Uh, then we did Charlie Kaufman. Uh, oh, of course, it was Adaptation uh, from Susan Orlean's Orchid Thief. Exactly. We have covered quite a few adaptations over the years, and now we're providing a way for our listeners to delve into the original source material. That's right. Just head over to thenextreel.com slash originals, and you can see the list of all the adaptations that we have discussed. From our David Fincher series, featuring The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, The Social Network, Zodiac, Benjamin Button, and Fight Club. To our Paranoia trilogy with The Parallax View and All the President's Men. We have covered a variety of adaptations. Those were some great discussions, especially Fight Club. And let's not forget our baseball series with The Natural and Field of Dreams, adapted from Shoeless Joe. And Up in the Air and Thank You for Smoking. So many memorable conversations. Absolutely. And you know what's exciting? Each purchase you make through our links doesn't cost you any extra, but a percentage goes to support the next reel in our family of shows. You can support us while diving deeper into these fantastic stories, whether it's the paper, audiobook, or Kindle version. We've also included plays and movies. If they were the source, we've put it on there. So what are you waiting for? Head to thenextreel.com slash originals, support the next reel, and get your next great read today. I'm off to reread Fight Club. Now, where did I put my Kindle? I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Andy Nelson. Welcome to The Next Reel. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. In just a matter of seconds, you're going to hear a classic episode of this show from back in the day when we called ourselves Movies We Like. It took us a while to settle into the show's format, so you'll notice some differences as you listen to these episodes. For instance, it takes us a bit of time to actually get into the conversation about the movie. Things like that. But we're still proud of the conversations about the movies themselves, and we think they're worth keeping in the library. So enjoy these episodes from our back catalog. And you can become part of our Discord community, learn more about the show, and find out how you can become a supporting member at thenextreel.com. So thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to The Next Reel. We appreciate your time and attention, and we hope you enjoy the show. Thank you. 
This is The Next Reel, everybody. I'm Pete Wright, and that there is Andy Nelson. Hey, hey, hey. And we spoil movies. In just a matter of seconds, you're going to hear a classic episode of this show from back in the day, long before we had a website, or listeners, or taste, or class. We called ourselves Movies We Like, which was, with the benefit of hindsight, a terrible name. But before we send you through the window of time to gaze your earballs on movie podcast history, you should learn more about us at thenextreel.com, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app, or follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Next Reel. And if you decide to become a regular listener of this show and you're interested in supporting our ongoing work on our other series like The Film Board or The Speakeasy and Trailer Rewind, please consider a regular donation to us through our Patreon page at Patreon com slash the next reel all the contributors are invited to join us in our slack channel where we have tons of fun and they are entered to win our regular contests guest spots on this very show all sorts of good stuff so thank you everybody for downloading and listening to the next reel we appreciate your time and attention we hope you enjoy the show i i am i shaved we can shave yeah okay. you know my uh there comes a time when my uh my children stop kissing me goodnight <laughs> and i i had time. to sh- i had to shave i had to shave the beard and i had to lose the beard i don't know is the beard uh you know is the beard a thing it really it's dirty if you look dirty if you look like you, you look three or four days that's that's the beard right now and then you kind of have that no i just have a stash you're doing movember i am doing movember yep huh see of course, it's by not- the time by the time this show look at you Yep. You look like a, an Italian <laughs> dictator. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm going to talk about that at work tomorrow. We've all decided that our office is going to look like a 70s police station. That's it. By the end of the month, because everybody's growing mustaches right yeah. now. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Can we? It is. Can, can we? Before we start talking about this movie, mm. can we talk about some trailers? Sure. That have just come out that are that well, I'm just seeing. First of all, uh I'm I'm very excited to see uh uh Dwayne Johnson uh back on the big screen in Journey to the Mysterious Island. And I don't mean Journey T O O, I mean Journey Dose the Mysterious Island. As in a remake of the Mysterious Island? <laughs> well, you know, it seems like it's the uh, the sequel to uh, the Journey to the Center of the Earth, I'm guessing. Well, the recent remake wasn't that was not Dwayne Johnson. I don't know how that's working out. It's Journey Two. What is it? What was Journey One? Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, the page right now. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's really lame sounding. I know. I, it's. Uh, I'm actually saying that I, I'm being a little bit sarcastic. Although my kids are very much looking forward to that movie. So that oh, was yeah. one. That was one that. Uh, well. I will say I have no idea if this one in any way relates to Jules Verne's uh, The Mysterious Island or the. So it's as if the kid is related somehow and they discover this book and the book is actually some sort of trip document. So So it's more like a sequel to Inkheart, also featuring Brendan Fraser. No, but this is not Brendan Fraser. This is. Well, I know. This is The Rock. But Brendan Fraser was in Journey to the Center of the Earth. No, but those two were unrelated. They were just related because they were related. Yeah, but a book coming to life. Yeah, but this isn't a book coming to life. This is as if the book were real, were a, a real like diary. Hmm. It's not like they're reading the book. They actually go to the trip to try and recreate to to is go it, to the mysterious island. Is that how Journey to the Center of the Earth was? Yeah, the remake? It was, it was, I think it was a similar. I, I don't actually remember. I think I blacked out during the actual, you know, some of the <laughs> plot. So yeah. there was that. That one uh, is a little adventure uh, excitement uh, coming. The uh, Let's see. I'm very excited. Also in the vein of uh, being excited for movies. Uh, uh, Mission Impossible 4. You know, I'm actually ex- quite excited about that one. I Ghost think it's going to be a lot of fun. Protocol. I'm very excited about that one. That looks terrific. I I love it when they bring when they actually it looks like they actually bring that back. It's just just call it what it is. It's just going to be a lot of action. Well, you know who's directing it? Uh, do I uh, wait for it? Let me see if I can pull it out of the deep uh, <laughs> recesses uh, of the internet. It's. Uh, 
Well, all I, I know Simon Pegg is in it. That, that excites me. Who's directing it? Brad Bird. Oh, Brad Bird. We like him a lot. He, yeah, the, yeah. who directed uh, uh, The Incredibles. And The Iron Giant. And The Iron Giant, yeah. Yeah, no, that's And uh, Ratatouille, which isn't really a, an action movie. But, but, you know, Ratatouille, was the be- for me, it was the best of all of them. But, but in that vein, uh, Brave, the extended trailer of Brave is out uh, from Pixar, which also looks just stunning it looks stunning but the story it looks like i'm watching a story i've seen a million times before but you know here's the thing i will say about pixar films is their trailers tend to not be very good and their movies tend to be amazing so i never take stock in a pixar trailer because their movies always still manage to wow me i really like this trailer and i think i'm gonna like the movie i think I'm sorry that you don't like the trailer. I know. No, I, you know, it looks gorgeous. It'll be an interesting one. Let me let me switch topics real quick because I just saw a trailer um, advertisement. I'm at iTunes movie trailers. Yeah. And um, the little scrolling thing up at the top just uh, told me that Star Wars Episode One is being re-released in w- three in the third dimension. I know. I was going to actually that was going to be the 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 one that that was going to be the crowning uh, triumph of my conversation here was Lucas is doing it again. He's he pulling a Lucas. I wonder if there's going to be actually more manipulation now, even more with this one. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure like, of it. Like I wonder who's going to shoot first in this one. <laughs> Oh, it's de- it's just as as you know, a trade blockade is perfectly legal. Everybody's going to shoot first in this one. Everybody will shoot first just to make yeah. up for for it. just oh. shooting at the same time. It's I wonder if there will be even more Jar Jar Banks. I hope so. Now with more Jar Jar, they should yeah. be uh, <laughs> they should be pushing that one. Um, there was okay. So here's the reason I bring all this up is because uh, if, uh, tomorrow, actually this weekend, you know, is my birthday. That's right. It's uh, it's on Sunday, and I, um, you know, every year for the last ten years or so, I take the day off, uh, like a holiday. It's like a national holiday. I take as, the day as off. You should uh, before or after, if or the the day of, if it's during the week. Because in this case, tomorrow is going to be my big celebration day, where I take the day off, and I'm seeing two movies tomorrow. I do this every year, and tomorrow's uh, movies, absolutely frivolous uh, movies. Uh, uh, number one at 10 o'clock, I will be seeing the immortals. Excellent. And, uh, so I want to make sure I get your take on that. And the second one, uh, at two 30 in the afternoon after a, a light lunch, I will be seeing, um, in time. I was convinced you were going to see twilight breaking dawn part one. <laughs> don't, don't, wow, you're a jerk. Though <laughs> the thing about that is I, I actually wonder if I'll see either of these movies that I want to see because there are, uh, uh, I counted them, 19 starts throughout the day tomorrow of Breaking Dawn. They start every 15 minutes, 19 times throughout the day. They're starting Breaking Dawn. How do it's they just, even fit that in? It's just not enough. Unbelievable. <laughs> That's a I don't even lot. know what it's about. I don't. Is it even part That's of That's a this? lot of angst. It's the same <laughs> people right it's the same actors, oh yeah right and how is this isn't the twilight right it's a whole new series of with the same characters she just recycled the same no it's story. it's one big story this is the final this this two-parter is the final chapter where um they finally get married so that you know she's a can, vampire is that the thing she she's not she she's not a vampire he's a vampire well i know but doesn't he make her a vampire at some point no, kind of. He he gets her pregnant, and her baby is you know kind of a little um, half vampire baby, just goth, and and it's going to kill her, and so he has to turn her into a vampire. So that's in order, the story. In order so she doesn't die. That's you know? the dramatic challenge. That's I think what happens in this one, and then I don't really know what's going on in part two. I only hear about all of this from my wife. She kind of fills me in on what's going on. Wow. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm uh, so I, I wanted to ask you as we move into, you know, my great the great celebration tomorrow, uh, what your take is. I know you've seen the immortals and mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen in time. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to hear I've, I want to get your ta- your take on them. what should I do? I have to look forward to with these films. Am I making a huge mistake? 
<laughs> well, Immortals is, you know, it's an incredible film to look at. I mean, it's stunning. It's directed by Tarsum Singh, I think is his name, who directed The Cell um, back in like mm-hmm. uh, late 90s or something, early 2000s um, with Jennifer um, uh, Lopez. Mm-hmm. And that was a really odd film. But again, it was gorgeous to look at. This is a director who knows how to make a film look stunning. I mean, the production design is unreal. The costume design is just, just amazing. Um, and it's, it's kind of like 300. It's, you know, it's a big action movie, lots of fighting. Um, and you know, just like rippling muscles and, and, uh, scantily clad women. And that's essentially the movie. Lots of, uh, they do the same kind of underwater stuff that they did, the flowing robes underwater and hair and craziness that they did in the, it's like, not, I'm thinking about the around the cauldron, the, the, the uh, going to the three, the, the three. Right. It's, uh, there, I'm trying to remember if there's anything like that. I don't think there's anything quite like that, but there but definitely like the, is that the super that, high speed jumping stuff, right? Yeah. Like, that, that almost like two dimensional video game style fighting where you watch him fight across the screen, right. you know, just in slow motion killing everybody. I like that. It's a side scroller. It in, is uh, in video game parlance. It, it's a, um, the movie really, for me, it kind of fell apart in the last act. Um, but, uh, you know, but it's, it's an interesting one. He plays Theseus and, uh, you know, Theseus fights the Minotaur. That's mm-hmm. kind of I what hear Theseus the, is I hear the Minotaur is pretty good. You know, the way that they... They do the whole labyrinth thing? They have a labyrinth and they have the Minotaur. But the way that they kind of played with that myth, I thought was actually quite genius. I really enjoyed what they did with it. All right, then don't tell me that. I, I, I won't. We're going to have to talk about that later. Yes. Okay, so moving on to uh, to the the other uh, uh, in time. You've seen that one, I assume. Yeah, I saw that one too. It was a lot of fun. It was a it was an interesting film with um, Justin Timberlake and um, what's the girl's name? I can't remember her from. Uh, yeah, uh, the ABBA movie. Young, she's good. Uh, yeah, crying out loud. And then. Uh, um, but it's about a, a, a world in the future where, um, you, your currency is basically time. It's a really interesting sci-fi movie. I actually really enjoyed the concept. Um, I, I don't think the film was quite there a hundred percent, but I thought they did a good job with it and I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Amanda Seyfried. Yeah. Thank you. Amanda Seyfried. I, I like that. Uh, uh, I can't, I'm going to butcher his name. Cillian Murphy, Chillian Murphy, Killian, Killian. 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 Yep. C is not supposed to make that sound. uh, It's like, it's like the, uh, I know, idiot. Uh, Olivia Wilde. Um, uh, I'm pretty crazy for Olivia Wilde. Yeah, she's great. And the interesting thing about her is she plays Justin Timberlake's mother. No way. Yeah, because in the movie. There's a whole gimmick about time. Well, everybody stops aging at 25 and, um, because that's all the time you're given. And then after 25, you have to buy and, and sell your time in order to continue living. So really rich people can live they, forever. They can live forever. All right. Right. Whereas in the slums, everybody's just kind of fighting day to day trying to make a living. Fascinating. Yeah. I like the concept. That's one of the reasons I'm going to see this movie. I really Was it based on a, uh, on a book or something? Or, uh, I don't think so. This is um, original IP, as they call it. Yeah, Andrew Nichol. Yeah, um, I believe he wrote and directed it. He was the um, the man who brought us Gattaca, which is another I'm gonna very you, fascinating sci-fi film. It's one of my top ten in sci-fi. It's, I, uh, it's fast fascinating. I love it, it is. I, love I it. really do too. I thought he did an amazing job with it. Uh, so. Okay, so shall, uh, shall we jump in to this movie? Let's jump in. Seven and a half, right? Thank you. Welcome to the seven and a half floor of the Merton Plummer Building. My name is Craig Schwartz, and I have an interview with Dr. Lester. Please have a seat, Mr. Juarez. My name is Schwartz. My name is Schwartz. Which of these two letters comes first, this one or this one? 
The symbol on the left is not a letter, sir. Damn, you're good. Do you know that I don't even know your name or where you work? And 50 other lines to get into a girl's pants. <laughs> so, honey, you thought any more about us having a baby? I think that maybe we should just wait and see if this job thing pays off. There's a tiny door in my office, Maxine, and it takes you inside John Malkovich. There's no such thing as a hole into somebody's brain. Yes, there is. You see the world through John Malkovich's eyes? Yes! And then after about 15 minutes... And that's not me! I didn't say that! You're spit out into a ditch on the side of the New Jersey turnpike. It was amazing. Where the hell are we? We're Malkovich's subconscious. Do you think that it's kind of weird that John Malkovich has a portal? I mean, do you think that it might have some sort of significance? What is going on? Huh? I discovered that portal. It's my head! John Cusack, Cameron Diaz, Catherine Keener, and John Malkovich. Malkovich! Malkovich! Being John Malkovich. Hey, Malkovich, be fast! Wow. So be, being John Malkovich. Being John Malkovich. Well, break, uh, so you're you're a big fan of this movie. Yeah, I love this movie. I, um, you know, I'm a big fan when it when I find a film and a and filmmakers and uh, writers and actors who all um, put together something that's just so completely unexpected and original. And it's it really was. Um, just a mind-boggling film. And, you know, this film came out in a year of, of really mind-boggling films. It came out in 1999, which, um, for all intents and purposes, was an incredible year for films. You know, this was the year of, of The Matrix and Fight Club and American sure. Beauty, um, The Green Mile. I mean, to a certain extent, Star Wars Episode One. you know, that came out that year. Yeah. The Sixth Sense. Um, you know, there's there's so much stuff that came out that year. Um, Magnolia. Um, I, um, I can't um, remember you know, what else. American Pie. I know. Yeah, right. American Pie. Yes. American Pie. Uh, <laughs> Any given yeah. Sunday. Any given. Stanley Sunday. Kubrick's last film, Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, and um, so it was a really impressive year for just a lot of strong filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And um, and this was one of the uh, strong films that came out that year. I mean, I would definitely put it in my, uh, you know, top five for the year. I think it was just really just one of those mind boggling films that I saw um, opening weekend. And I just kind of, it floored me. I mean, I walked out just completely um, having witnessed, you know, a completely original film. Do you remember why you wanted to see that? I mean, do you remember you see, was it, did you see the trailer? Did you think about Charlie Kaufman or Spike Jones? I mean, what, what was it? Do you remember what it was that actually inspired you to see this movie? I'm the, you know, I don't specifically, I, I can't imagine it was Charlie Kaufman because I, I don't think he had done, he, he hadn't I mean, done anything. No, he had done nothing like commercials and TV, no, TV shows and stuff. Uh, maybe some commercials too. Yeah, but um, uh, you're, not, I'm, t- I'm sorry, I was thinking about jo- Spike Jones. Oh yeah, Spike uh, but, Jones, yeah. who had done much either, right? Um, and so I don't think it was either of them. I think I had to have seen a trailer for it. This was um, we saw this at the uh, the art house theater in town, Camel View, and. Um, I'm sure I saw some other film there and must have seen this trailer there. It, it was released. It was a limited release, so I, I can't imagine I saw TV commercials. I, gosh, you know, I just I don't remember what it was that made me want to see this film. I, I'm fascinated by that because this is one of those films that I mean, you I mean, you hit it with that limited release. Like it's a movie that you blink and you miss it, and yeah. uh, I did. I I missed it. I had I had never seen it. Uh, I picked up the the Charlie Kaufman vibe with adaptation, uh, which we're going to do next. But uh, but this one I completely skipped and I never went back. And it's just sort of a hole in the wall that I never never quite filled. Uh, so this week was my first time uh, actually watching this movie. Uh, and I'm I, I I almost feel like it's kind of unfair to sit down and and pull it apart because a I don't feel like I've had quite enough time to digest it. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I don't feel I'm really looking forward to you kind of uh, sharing what this what this thing means. Um, <laughs> if I could figure it out. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it, I have a feeling it's a movie that's going to age really well with me uh, because there's just so many layers to it. Well, it's a really interesting film. And, and you know, I think when you look at Charlie Kaufman's films um, as a whole, this um, adaptation, um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, Synecdoche, New York, um, even to an extent, Human Nature, you know, they're all about, um, you know, <clears throat> identity and and uh, you know the meaning of life and mortality and they all have kind of there's an interesting metaphysical sort of thing going on in his films um i don't think that you know would have been you know something people would have said about him particularly after just watching this film obviously he wrote it and it does kind of have that vibe but i don't think until you'd seen several more films from him you would have been able to get a sense that that's kind of where his his direction as a writer points you know he really is kind of exploring what it means to be who you are yeah and it's funny i mean once you start peeling that back in this movie in particular i mean this is probably the one that deals with that most blatantly yeah right i mean this this is the one that is is uh, almost the most transparent Uh, so walk through uh you know before we start pulling apart kind of the the more of the detail, but walk through what the general sort of uh, plot arc is. Yeah, well, we've got we've got a uh, a puppeteer, Craig Schwartz, played by John Cusack, who um, is unemployed. He's in a in a marriage he's not happy in um, with a woman, um, Lottie, played by Cameron Diaz. Who um, I, I never quite figured out if she just has a lot of pets and runs a pet store or, you know, kind of takes care of the overflow, but whatever it is, she's got animals everywhere. Not, not your uh, everyday animals, not cats. No, not like cats and dogs. Parrots and monkeys. Yes, exactly. And iguanas and all sorts of crazy things. And they're all, they're all in some uh, stage of medical disarray. I mean, they're all bandaged somehow. Right. They're all needing work. Right. Um, So Craig, um, in order to kind of get out of a rut, gets a job as a um, like a filing clerk at a uh, company called Lester Corp hired by Orson Bean who plays Dr. Lester um, and uh, you know he he gets the job because he's so good with his hands um, as a puppeteer it just works well for him so he is a natural at being a filing clerk um, while at his new job he meets a coworker Maxine who um, is very standoffish, but he ends up discovering this portal behind a filing cabinet. It's like a little door in the wall, but when he goes through it, it's this long, muddy, dark tunnel that takes him into the mind of John Malkovich, the actor, although it's actually kind of a, you know, a fake version of John Malkovich. But um, he's in, he's living as John Malkovich for about 15 minutes, and then he gets spit out and dumped in a ditch off the uh, New Jersey Turnpike. Now let's uh, we we've got to talk about just how weird that is, <laughs> right? Because you you say that and it's like okay he's having some sort of a psychotic break, but this movie is it it, it is not. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm going to let you finish, but I just want to say it's not a psychological thriller. All right, this no, movie is as literal as you can get. When he is spit out, he literally appears in midair and falls thirty feet to the ground. Exactly. Okay. It's. Uh, I mean, it's very fair to call this a fantasy. I mean, yes. it's it's not a fantasy in the um, Lord of the Rings, you know, realm of right. fantasies. It's it's a real world fantasy where you know very strange th- and unexplainable things happen, and somehow that's okay. Right. Okay. It's, so yeah. So he spit out on the New Jersey Turnpike. Right. And. Uh, so he tells his um, this uh, coworker Maxine, played by the genius Catherine Keener, who um, because of this, you know, agrees to partner up with him, and they turn it into a business. Basically, the JM Inc., where they basically get people to pay two hundred bucks to go um, be John Malkovich for fifteen minutes. Um, over the brilliant 
which yeah, that's a great way to make money. Um, if only I had a portal <laughs> to right. someone's mind. To anyone's mind. <laughs> that's right. Uh, uh, okay, so they so, go, they, they have this business, they start charging 200 bones to, to get 15 minutes in John Malkovich's brain. And right. it's not, it's not, uh, it's, it, it's, it's really John Malkovich with whatever he's doing right now. You appear in his brain and he yep. may be, you know, I, I love the bit where he's, he's on the phone and he's ordering a bath mat. Right. It's very much that way where it's not about, um, them jumping into him and controlling him and they can go out on, you know, life on the town sort of thing. I mean, they're just, in his head, unbeknownst to John Malkovich, and they're really just viewing life through his eyes for those 15 minutes. Right. Um, what happens then is Lottie um, meets Maxine, and they end up kind of getting this little connection, and it's kind of an interesting little um, connection between the two ladies. Um, and Lottie ends up going into John Malkovich, and she realizes by doing that, that, um, she's a transgender, um, and that, um, you know, she has that great line when she's fighting with Craig and she says, uh, you know, why do you always, uh, or don't, what does she say? It's like, don't stop me from, from, um, actualizing, actualizing myself as a man or something like right, that. It's a great, right. it's a great line. <laughs> so, in the process of discovering that she really wants to be a man while she's in John Malkovich, um, Maxine pops by and, uh, and goes on a date with John Malkovich and she sees Lottie looking through, um, John Malkovich's eyes and she falls in love with Lottie, but only if Lottie's in Malkovich. So it's, you know, all this complication is, it's, 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 it's just genius storytelling. Um, and then in the meantime, Craig realizes what's going on between Lottie and Maxine. And so he, he imprisons Lottie and, um, tricks, or he uses Lottie to, um, get Maxine to go on a date with John Malkovich. And then Craig goes into Malkovich and he ends up, because he's a puppeteer, he is able to take over Malkovich and basically become Malkovich and, and basically be a puppeteer from inside the body, controlling the man. Right. And uh, and because of that, he ends up leading a whole new life as John Horatio Malkovich um, and pushes him into a new career as a puppeteer and becomes a world world-renowned puppeteer doing Swan Lake and... Just amazing shows. Re reinventing puppeteering for major actors. There's the, yes. the great bit where uh, lots of cameos. Yes. Uh, great bit where Sean Penn says, you know, once once I think more actors kind of find their voice, they'll be brave enough to do what Malkovich has done. <laughs> and that's and, just and everyone will jump into puppeteering. Yeah. The, the, I think, you know, we'll talk maybe about cameo. I don't know if cameos are even important, but but there's the, the, fun, I, the, the, the my favorite one is Brad Pitt. <laughs> uh, where where he's on screen for about a second and a half, and it looks like he's about to speak, and they come away. It's only too good. I know that's just genius. That was a great, great yeah. cameo. Okay, so uh, he is now able to control Malkovich, mm -hmm. and so then, and then, meanwhile, Lottie, who um, goes and talks to Doctor Lester, who owned this building where the the portal is. Um, discovers that Dr. Lester has actually been, I guess you could say, you know, tracking John Malkovich through his life because he discovered this portal 90 years ago. And he is actually um, Captain Murflin, who had jumped into the Dr. Lester body, you know, like 80, 75 years ago or something like that. Um, it has to be... Um, Mer There's a Mer Captain Merton. Captain Merton, yeah. Right. So, so um, he is he found a way to live forever, basically, by using this portal to jump from body to body. But it has to be on the um, the evening of their forty fourth birthday. And if they wait after that, then the portal moves to the next body, which is the unborn child of whoever that person was. So John Malkovich's child would be the the next portal. Well, that but, I, I don't understand. That that's one I didn't understand. That's a bit I didn't get. It's 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 just 
Yeah, it's, it's a. a I, not, I know you're not supposed bites. to think it's that, a plot that hard bites. about it. Yeah, it's but, just one of those funky things. That, but it made I mean, me think: Does it have to be a, a Malkovich? Does it have to be a Malkovich? Is that the deal? Like whoever no. the the current Malkovich is? No, it's it's whoever. Like Malkovich was the was the seed of. I guess it would have been of Doctor Murflin or no Captain. Cap, was Cap, it Captain, Captain Merton? Captain Merton, thank you. I just can't get that name right. He would have, I guess, he would, in the story, he must have been the son or something of Captain Merton or something, because his seed is the next portal. So, Doctor Lester, at the end of the film, he and all of his friends jump into Malkovich and become him, so they can live forever. But now their next portal is John Malkovich's seed, which is Emily, Emily, the the daughter that he ends up having with uh, Maxine, and that and she becomes a problem because, well, she I don't know if she becomes a problem, but you know that's that's going to be the um, the body that all that Malkovich and now all of his friends will jump into. On Emily's 44th birthday. Meanwhile, though, Craig, who, you know, through all of this, he tries to jump back into uh, Malkovich, but unfortunately, it's after his 44th birthday. And so he's pushed into the next portal, which is Emily, the unborn child. And if that happens, you're locked into their subconscious and you're you're unable to do anything but just live the rest of your life um, until the 44th. I well, guess until the forty fourth. They're locked until that transition, until they're ripe. Yeah, but I don't know if he would if he would come back out or if he if that's the end of his existence. Well, I think that's part of the thing you're supposed to be worried about. Like as the this is as the movie ends, right? I mean, this is the big this is the 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 big twist at the end when you know we see the two moms, mm-hmm. and there's that great there there's a great uh, uh, bit when the two moms after sort of. They rediscover each other and discover that uh, Maxine was pregnant with Emily, uh, where they have this conversation where they're trying to figure out how to talk about the fact that she was impregnated by Malkovich while Malkovich was playing host to to uh, Lottie. Lottie. And right. so it's Lottie's baby somehow it's lottie's baby spiritually it's lottie's <laughs> spiritual baby and so uh they have this great conversation they they fall in love at, on the side of the road and realize that that it it may or may not have been a transgender identity crisis and maybe they're just lesbians right right and they end up having a a uh what appears to be in the final scene a normal sort of nuclear uh kind of uh alternative family Right. Weird baggage. But who doesn't (laughs) have weird baggage? Lots of interesting stories to tell uh, at the wedding. And so Emily is now what? She looks nine, nine or ten. Well, she's seven because it's seven years later. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Seven years later. Right. So she's seven years old and she's she's asking to go swimming. And as the moms are tickling her saying, are you going to throw up? Are you going to throw up? They stand up and are kind of hugging each other. And Emily, we now cut to the uh occupied cam where Mm -hmm. you get the sort of vignette around that's that's the indicator that you are now looking through somebody else's eyes right and uh and and we hear uh schwartz's voice saying no please turn away i can't watch she's so beautiful that kind of that that kind of a thing so we now so we now know he's trapped inside of emily they say and and unlike Malkovich, he can't control he, her. He can't control her. He's locked in her subconscious, imprisoned, watching forever through her eyes. Right. So, and I, th- and that's why I thought uh, that once Doctor Lester and pals decide that they need to move on to the next host, they're going to be blocked and they won't be able to live forever because he's already in there. Because Doctor Lester says at one point, he says, "We can't jump into Malkovich while Schwartz is in there. He's too powerful." Yeah, but Schwartz has no power now. But when he, when she is ripe, are, are we not to believe he can't take over her too? I don't think so. I think, I think by going into the vessel after the forty fourth birthday, he's he's just immediately shoved into the subconscious, and I don't think he'll ever be 
unlock ever be unlocked. I don't think he'll um, be able to ever get out of the subconscious. Hmm. That's that's my interpretation of it. It's not it's not so well defined. I it's guess. really not. And I know we're 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 perseverating on a uh, on a, a a device. But yeah. that's uh, I think I I don't know if it was intentional. But that's what I find myself asking because and I think this is part of the genius of this film that Kaufman set up the universe so well in the script and Jones executed it so well visually that it feels okay to ask these kinds of nerdy questions. Yeah. Right. It feel if, if they hadn't done it well enough, like we, it, we wouldn't have given it a second thought. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we actually care enough about this story right. and these characters to want to explore the possibilities of where it could be taking us. Yeah. So I, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's just very well written, very well directed, very well acted all around a very, um, very well put together film. Cheap movie to make, uh, I guess by comparison. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, you know, avatar. Right. Uh, what I, I get, uh, you know, from what I'm looking at, the budget was somewhere around 10 million ended up making 32 million worldwide mm-hmm. in the theatrical release. Uh, and, uh, what, what's the story on awards? It got a lot of nominations, but I, I'm, I don't think it won any of the big ones. Well, not with the Oscars. It did get, um, nominated for best director, Spike Jones. Um, and you best know, a direct screenplay. Best original screenplay, Charlie Kaufman, and best supporting actress, Catherine Keener. And this was also really a kind of, you know, I mean, she had done some other things, but this was really where Catherine Keener kind of um, popped into the spotlight. It's, it, it's an interesting movie for for her. And I haven't really fleshed this out in my in my head yet. I usually, I'm, I, you know, I like her. Yeah, and I, I and think I, she's great. I think she's great, and I never—it's uh, it, never easy for me to define kind of why why I like her. You know, uh, <laughs> she's very dry yeah. as an actress. Like she's very dry. She's like she's dry toast, dry. Uh, and you know, so uh, you sort of have to work to build a relationship with her on on screen. At least I found. I mean, she's really fairly standoffish uh, in this movie when it starts. She, well, yeah, I mean, her character is just, that's the nature of her character. It's a very standoffish, very, uh, um, you know, she kind of knows what she wants. And if, if she's not interested or doesn't want it, then she completely dismisses it. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. She's completely dismissive of Craig all the way up until the point that, um, he talks to her about this portal and she realizes there's an actual business opportunity there. What is this? What's your take on this movie as a as a feminist film? Hmm. Well, I haven't really thought of it in that context. Um, I don't know. I mean, (laughs) I you know I'll tell you I I think about it because uh, it strikes me that it allows these extremely uh, strong female characters. To completely dominate, right, uh, the the male roles. Even in in uh, you know, I think the um, you know the relationship between Lottie and Craig. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a, a transformation there. I mean, when it when the, the movie opens, we have Craig who's you know in bed, and clearly uh, Lottie is is the breadwinner, and he's you know has these excuses about how there's a wintry economic climate and nobody wants puppeteers. Mhm. I'm I'm curious when the economic climate is right for puppeteers. <laughs> right. Uh and so you can tell he it, it feels like he's taking advantage of her there. And yeah. uh and she obviously, you know, as the as her story progresses, she doesn't she she realizes she doesn't actually know kind of who she is. And so her sort of path is is to um kind of open up uh physically and emotionally and physically uh to uh, this whole new world of you know she goes through the transgender uh bit but ends up taking control of her identity in a whole new way yeah right i mean right. that's that's a, a major transformation yeah and it is huge and then the same thing with Catherine Keener who ends up being this sort of uh dominating businesswoman 
And she ends up saying, you know, there's that great bit where both uh, Lottie and Craig try to make out with her on the couch. (laughs) Right. Uh, And she says, Craig, I'm just not into you. And Lottie, I'm totally smitten with you, but only when you're John Malkovich. Right. And so she is a lesbian who's only interested in men who are occupied by women. Exactly. (laughs) And yet her transformation is to take control of her identity in a whole new way. Yeah. Right. It's you said it in the beginning. It was this this whole movie is about uh, is about these plays on identity. And I think for these women, these female characters uh, really, you know, taking control of their identity in a in a like the vehicle of John Malkovich is a way really to exercise uh, sort of an interesting play on feminism on their feminist sort of strength. You know, that's crazy. I never expected myself to think about that. No, I, I didn't expect that to come up, but it, it actually is kind of interesting, the, the way that they're, um, through their relationship, that kind of does develop. And the, uh, um, yeah, it, it's, it's about, I think it takes both of the women by surprise that this happens to them. You know, I mean, um, Maxine says, you know, what can I say? I've, I've fallen in love. You know, it's like she, she never expected it to happen, right. you know? especially in such a strange situation. And same thing with Lottie. I mean, it, she never expected to, uh, that she was transgendered. And, um, I, I don't, I think by the end, I think that they realize that they're more in love with each other than, than she is in love with, um, being a man. And Maxine is in love with being, um, with Lottie as Malkovich. I think that they finally, come to terms with themselves as just being in love with each other. Right. Right. Um, I think that's, I think again, that's part of the, like the journey sort of was the destination for them. You know, they, they discovered who they really were by way of having to deal with, you know, being transgendered for, for 25 minutes. Yeah. And then realizing that they woke up and turns out that wasn't that, that was a symptom of something bigger. Yeah. Through, it's like through that, Lottie is able to find her self-worth and, and grow as a person. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's actually a very valid uh, point that you bring up. It's you know, what, interesting. what I like about it so much is that when you, when you think about it that way, right. I, I you know, I don't know. Um, I don't know who you could say is the real star of this movie. Right. I mean, this is definitely an ensemble piece, right? You get the first half of the movie is really dominated by John Cusack. And the second half is really dominated by John Malkovich. Yeah, but the most interesting character arc, I think, is or the the shared sort of character arc is Cameron Diaz and Catherine Keener. I mean, the way they, the way they transition through the whole of the film, um, is, is uh, I think probably the most important message. Well, and and that's interesting when you look at kind of the, um, what the craig schwartz john malkovich story is about you know it's about um finding your identity you know the whole reason that that craig takes over john malkovich is because he is obsessed with maxine and he can't do it by being himself he has to be someone else so the whole movie is about about identity and are you going to be yourself or or are you going to be only able to find the happiness that you seek by being somebody else. And for Craig, he goes down a dark path where he finds that, you know, he's so obsessed with Maxine that the only way he can be happy is by being somebody else. Whereas Lottie and Maxine, while that's kind of what they think initially, the only way they can be happy is by, you know, having their relationship through Malkovich over the course of the film, they finally learn that they are truly happy just by being themselves. And that's, that's when they fall in love on the side of the highway. And, and seven years later, they're still together. Yeah. And when you look at, uh, this is interesting. When you look at how uh, sort of the, the final destination for each character, Mm -hmm. uh, Craig is trapped inside of Emily. Mm -hmm. Uh, John Malkovich is, uh, you know, I have to believe dealing with an insufferable case of multiple personality disorder. <laughs> uh, the, the the two primary characters that actually end up with any sense of normalcy are, you know, Lottie and Maxine. 
Yeah. I, that's fascinating. It is. It really is. They're, they're able to be themselves and be happy. Yeah. This was, uh, this was great. I, uh, the, the Craig, uh, the Craig character, uh, unravels, right? Yeah. I mean, how do you, how do you pull him apart? Like his search of, uh, for his, uh, identity did not, uh, did not fare well. Well, he's, he's somebody who, you know, he's, he's battling with, um, I guess in the context of a fantasy film, he is the one who kind of has, uh, you know, kind of these, he's obsessed with his own fantasies of things, you know, his, you know, his place in the world as a great puppeteer, you know, I mean, he's not doing a whole lot to pursue. I mean, he is performing on the street and everything, but, but he's not anyone big like the guy he mocks at the beginning of the film who's on TV and, Mm -hmm. um, who is a great puppeteer. And, uh, you know, he, through the film, there's that great bit too of him watching the the news footage. What, when does a puppeteer actually get coverage uh, at all? But there's the footage <laughs> of him doing the uh, doing the, the I can't, what was the play? Or the Swan, was Lake, the, was Swan, it Swan Lake. Lake off the side of a bridge. Right in the beginning. That's not. Oh, you, that's the other guy doing that. That's Dumb. his nemesis. His right, his nemesis. Rival, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, you weren't talking about him. I, I was thinking about his arch rival saying that when mm. he had that bit of puppetry off the side of a bridge. I was yeah, saying, right. So, the dance of despair. Well, that, anyway, yeah, that was yeah. the later one. Okay, yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. But no, it's just you know he's he's just um he he doesn't have control of his own life. He he has this fantasy of what his life should be. He and you know he is everything opposite Lottie. You know he's all about this fantasy life. She's you know just more all about the reality. Or she ends up you know having a life based in the reality and everything. And I think that um, to a large extent, by by being a puppeteer and by being somebody who has to be controlling things, uh, he ends up you know finding that the only way he can live is by controlling things, which obviously, you know, gets him in the end, I guess. Yeah. But, but it's interesting. I mean, you, you see his, the scenes with him living out his fantasies through his puppeteering, you know, he's got, um, right at the beginning, well, not right at the beginning, but when he's doing the street puppeteering, he has that, you know, the relationship scene between, uh, was it Eloise and Abelard? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like, it's this very, that, wasn't it? That was that a, a priest and a, a priest and a nun and a nun and, and uh, you know, with the obsessed the with each other child watching, watching as their him. bodies are undulating in separate rooms, these puppets. Yeah. But I mean, he's living out his fantasies. He doesn't have this sort of relationship with his own wife, right. you know? And then later he built like after he meets Maxine, what does he do? He goes home, makes a Maxine puppet, and then he acts out their relationship and falling in love and all of that with his puppets. I mean, he's a man who's obsessed with creating it, like playing God and dictating his own life through his puppets. Right. Fascinating. Uh, I want to, I want to turn to the set various set pieces of this, of the film, because I, uh, you know, I think it would be, We'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the seven and a half floor, <laughs> which you know is, in one sense, just one of the strangest things to throw into a film. You know that you're talking about the the Merton Mifflin Building or whatever it's called, Merton Flemmer Building. It was perfect. Well, yeah, it's he goes to work at his new job, and it's on the seven and seven and a half floor. Um, the lovely, lovely. Um, Octavia Spencer, actually, I'm not sure if you caught her, is the it's one. the woman in the uh, saying, I'll, get you, the ele- yeah, I'll yeah. get you through. Yeah, I'll get you through. Yeah. So, uh, so cr- and then the whole story so behind the seven and a half floor about why it was created and all that. I mean, it's so silly. It's great. But that right there is our first entry, I suppose you could say, into the world of the fantasy of this film. We're now entering a world where somebody would actually build a seven and a half floor. 
you know, it, it actually really works well to set all of this up. That's an interesting point. Talk, uh, talk more about that. Well, it's anytime you're making a film that, that, you know, has elements that are so crazy, like a portal into John Malkovich's head and, you know, these, these vessels that these people jump from, from one to the next over, you know, centuries, you have to find a way to, um, infuse your movie with some of that ridiculous, ridiculousness from the start. And by having the seven and a half floor, by having, um, Lottie so obsessed with, with pets, by having the, um, the secretary, uh, or excuse me, the executive liaison, as, uh, as Dr. Lester tells us, uh, played by Mary Kay Place, who can't understand a single thing that anyone is saying. Which uh, was fantastic. Yeah. I, it, it, she gave me such a headache, but uh, by the, but every time you see her, it's, it, it's a little bit of joy. It's great. Not only, not only is she great, but the way that it's written, the relationship between her and Dr. Lester, so that right. he is always this like, you know, she's, she's so sweet. She's always sorry if you can't understand me. You know, he, he takes it all onto himself, assuming that it's him who can't actually talk well. And then wrap that up with uh, Malkovich once he is now, uh, occupied by all of the Dr. Lesters at the end of the movie mm-hmm. he is now married to her. Right. Uh, and she still can't understand each other. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's just genius. But no, I mean, that's, but that's important. When you're creating a fantasy film, you have to start right from the beginning and you have to introduce that world so that when all of a sudden a portal pops open and you end up in John Malkovich's head, if you hadn't established the fantasy elements before that, you're going to confuse your audience and you're going to leave them going, what the heck is going on in this movie? I don't even, I don't, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. So it was very smart to, to do that right from the start. It's uh, sort of balancing the balancing the crazy. Yeah. If you're not if you're not already primed for the crazy, you won't mm-hmm. you won't be able to buy into the portal. Right. It right. was. It's almost as if you know. As soon as he got off that elevator, you know, having never seen the movie, I immediately thought, okay, he's going to get off the elevator and discover that he's in John Malkovich's mind. Like I was already ready for that. Ah, okay. Uh, as soon as this weird world shows up where he has to, where, where not only does he have to walk around and duck, but it was made so much more perfect. Well, two things actually, I think made it so much more perfect. First of all, that it was totally normal to the, you know, dozens of people that we see actually walking the halls and working there. <laughs> all ducking their heads. All ducking as, they as if the it's hallway. totally normal. Yep. Uh, but the other piece that I thought was interesting, and I, maybe I just missed it. I don't think there's any definition. Of what these people are filing. <laughs> There's not. At any point. Like, it's just a company that exists to file things. Yeah, there's I, n- I thought that was great. There's, yeah, there's no, we're never really given a sense as to what the, uh, the Lester Corp company is actually all about. I mean, he holds up those two cards in the beginning and he says, which character goes first? This one or that <laughs> one? And, and Schwartz looks over and says, well, sir, that one's not actually a letter. <laughs> Oh, you're good, Schwartz. He's <laughs> trying to trick you. Trying to trick you. That was that was great. Yeah, a, a great character. You know, Doctor Lester, played by Orson Bean, is just so funny. He is. He's really funny. Yeah. Uh, okay, so we've. Um, what else do we need to to cover on this one? This is interesting. You know, the so cameos. Talk about the cameo. Charlie Sheen wasn't a cameo. He was a bit player but yeah playing himself um just like john malkovich he's playing john malkovich's old buddy right. um, charlie sheen or the machine machine <laughs> yep which is just great what did he call malkovich at the end uh gosh machine what did he call malcatra malcatraz malcatraz yeah <laughs> that's good yep that's uh, great um spike jones the director actually has a tiny bit although i i still haven't seen him but um derek mantini the the puppeteer we were talking about at the beginning Mm -hmm. spike jones apparently plays his assistant um we mentioned brad pitt already uh david fincher david fincher play well it's it's, yeah he plays a uh like a critic um yeah a critic in 
for the uh f- I thought was it for the LA uh what was it the LA Arts and Culture thing or the American it's, Arts and Culture Yeah in the documentary in the documentary right. in the movie at the end playing a critic talking about yeah. how great Malkovich is yeah. and um yeah I can't remember who else I remember seeing that um, I think that there's some other ones but I don't know yeah uh the um let's see uh, Winona Ryder, Andy Dick. Uh, yeah, that's little, right. Little, I, little they're like in the audience in in the play scene yeah, or something, yeah. right? Hanson, yeah. Hanson is in the audience. Well, there you go. <laughs> you got You got to look. We close. should have mentioned them first. You got to look close. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, you know, so uh, the the sort of in, in closing. I mean, we've been. I don't know. Do you have any else? Anything else big on this movie? You know, well, I just, you know, this is one of those scripts that I think had been floating around Hollywood for a little while. It's one of those scripts that a writer writes that's so out there. I don't know if, um, I I think that the average studio exec would look at it and go, well, it's great, but I have no idea what to do with it. And I think, you know, I remember reading an article you know, in the late nineties where, um, they listed like the best unproduced screenplays. And this was on that list. Hmm. And, um, because it is, I mean, it's a very strange film and, and I think a lot of people just don't get it, you know, especially if you're reading it, it's like, what they're in a portal. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, same thing with his other films, you know, he ended up doing, well, what did he do with, um, he did adaptation with Spike Jones again. Right. So he's done a couple with Spike Jones and a couple with Michelle Gondry. We'll talk about them as we do mm-hmm. some of the other films. But, um, yeah, this, this one, because it was his first film, you know, he had done some TV, he had done some other things, but I, this was kind of one of those weird scripts that people were hesitant to do. And I'm not sure how, but, um, Somehow, I guess Charlie Kaufman ended up getting paired up with, um, um, what's his name? Michael Stipe, who I think was one of the producers on this. He was, uh, yeah. and I think that was through Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, Kaufman, That's, Kaufman yeah. sent the script to Coppola, who sent it to Spike Jones, his then who, son-in-law, and, right. uh, and Jones went to Single Cell yeah. Pictures, which is- To get it Stipe. made. Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, even the actors, I mean, actors love being in films like this. I mean, John Cusack, you know, as, as it says here, you know, he had, um, only read the script after he asked his agent to, to give him the, just the, the craziest, most unproducible script you could find. And this is what his agent had given him and he, he, uh, auditioned and got the part. Yeah. So. I mean, this is the sort of film that actors, I think, love to be in because they really get meaty roles. I mean, even small bits, you know, you get just the fantastic characters to play. Well, that's the truth. Uh, this is uh, this is one of those films that really, I think, tested these actors. I mean, you can yeah. feel that it, they were t- even Malkovich, who you think of as just sort of, you know, unstoppable. Uh, <laughs> and the great thing about him is, you know. Charlie Kaufman actually wrote this with John Malkovich always in it. Um, and the idea was, you know, that was who he wrote it in mind for. And then, you know, never expecting that they'd actually get him. They figured that they would get whichever actor they could get to play that role. But John Malkovich looked at it and actually enjoyed it. And thank God, because, you know, he was the perfect actor to be in it. I wonder if it, if that, um, I don't know. I mean, you it, now that I've seen the movie, I mean, I you th- it it is really well executed, and he he treats it. You can tell he treats it with such uh, fidelity. You mm-hmm. know, it's it wasn't a vehicle just because his name is in the title. Uh, right. Talk, talk about top billing. Yeah. Um, right. But what 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 I found really interesting um, uh, about this was this uh, this bit even before the script was fleshed out. Uh, Kaufman's idea of uh, of the film was, as as he says, it was a story about a man who falls in love with someone who is not his wife. Yeah. 
And, and if that doesn't sound like the most standard Hollywood uh, story you could uh, hear, right? Yeah, it's it is a it, you know, it's horrifying. It's like it's a train wreck. I would know why would I want to see a movie like that? That's yeah. a, I've seen that movie before a lot. Yeah, right. And uh, and this one is one I would recommend to others. I mean this this one is is one that is executed so well and so cleverly. That I want to watch it again. I want to watch it again and again and pull it apart. And I, I haven't watched it a second time all the way through. I've watched uh, I watched it all the way through, and then I watched bits of it uh, mm-hmm. again. But uh, it, it's terrific. Uh, it's particularly a, a standout when Malkovich is playing uh, uh, Swartz. Yeah, the last half of the movie, he's, job, yeah. he's fantastic. When he's the 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 scene where he's taking the kidnapping call. <laughs> he is he is panicked and terrified and still perfectly goofy. Yeah, yeah. Great. He does it. Great. He does a great job portraying Schwartz, controlling him. Talk about an acting bit, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is just unreal. Uh, so I'm looking forward to next week. Yeah, next week uh, we're doing adaptation. That's a good film. That's a good film. That definitely fits into the uh, movies we like uh, principle. Uh, yes, hundred percent. I think this one does too. I'm glad. I'm glad you. Uh, I'm glad you made me do this one. Yeah, I'm glad we started with it. It yeah. was a it was a nice little uh, nice little one to jump into, and then uh, we'll do this, and uh, um, we'll skip human nature. We'll do adaptation. We'll skip confessions of a dangerous mind, and then we'll do eternal sunshine. I, I want to. I'm not. I'm not sure. I want to skip confessions of a dangerous mind. Do you, is that not on your list? You don't like that movie? No, we can. Uh, no, I. I guess I. I said that thinking that we'd only talked about those three, but we could do it. I enjoyed it. I. I enjoyed. I know it. Charlie Kaufman wasn't pleased with the process of that one, but I'm happy to talk about it. We did Temple of Doom. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> How about Crystal Skull? You say that one. You. I can't say that because oh. I think I swayed you. I think that's aging better for you. I'm going to come back oh. to you in a year and see how you oh. feel about that movie in hindsight. I still won't like it, but I, I, I will like you'll, it. You'll only not like it because I'm the one saying it. <laughs> and that's, that's I'm okay true. with you being bitter I've and always... petty. <laughs> that's right. I said it. Ouch. <laughs> come on. Hey. You, know, you know I'm a bitter, petty man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's nothing new. <laughs> this was good man thanks for uh thanks for uh, thanks for walking me through it hey you bet we will uh we'll talk next week we'll do it again yes sir all right i've been podcasting since 2006 in that time i've tried countless hosting platforms but in august 2022 We switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM, and it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content, and we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable, too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash transistor. Start growing your podcast today. <laughs>